0: and I remember there was a moment when I fell in love with the mountains. Now, I, I grew up on the Front Range, and I, you know, I used to always see myself as like, you know, I'm kind of an outdoorsy guy. And all that means on the Front Range, to be outdoorsy, is that I've seen a concert at Red Rocks, and I've driven to the top of Mount Evans, right? And then, so I came over here, and I found out like, well, these people, I mean, these are like, these are mountain men and mountain women, and they, and they know what it means to be uh, out there. And so, but I had this moment where, Uh, I was on the front range, and I fell in love with the hills. And so I was actually snowshoeing, and uh, I was up in Rocky Mountain National Park, and up by, I think, Bear Lake. There was nobody there. just kind of went way up in the mountains. And we uh, came down, and I had a few friends with me, and we're walking, and it's just a blizzard. And uh, just about to come out, and, you know, I had a goatee then, and it was all just full of ice, and, you know, my snot had all frozen, and my face was just freezing, and and I I felt like a guy from, like, a Jack London novel, like, up in the Yukon, and as I'm getting out, I'm like, I'm alive, and I seriously, that was when I fell in love with the mountains, and every time I go to the mountains now, and whether I'm mountain biking, snowshoeing, skiing, cross-country skiing, whatever it is, climbing a 14-er, that's the thing I'm going after, like, I'm alive, yeah. And so I love it. And my heart just calls me back to the mountains. And every time I get there, I find that again and again. And so we're in this uh, very last week of our Creative for Worship series. And we're talking about these things that call to our hearts and the way that we express our hearts. And Jesus actually, he talks about this very thing in Matthew six twenty one, And he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, these things that we pursue, these things that we store up, these things that we go after, our heart just kind of follows it and draws us there. And he's actually, he's talking about money. He says, now don't, don't store up treasure for this earth. Don't, don't try to, because rust and, and moth will destroy that, but store up treasures in heaven. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so in this last week of this created for worship, I, we're going to get really, really practical and we're just going to talk about four practical things that, that reveal your heart. They show what you're worshiping, and they also direct your worship. And so I'm calling them the four T's of worship, four practical T's that you can look at to say, what am I worshiping? And it's the treasure, the time, your talents, and entertainment. Now, I told Gina, I said, I'm going to teach uh, about the four T's, and I had read those off to her, and she said, can't you do any better than that? Entertainment? That's not a T, that's an E. That's the only one I could find. And that's an important part of this. And we're going to really focus on two of them because they're all connected. But I want to start with treasure. Your money. It's Matthew 6, 24. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or, that's next slide, there we go, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, this is so interesting to me, you cannot serve God and money. I think, I think that's really interesting because Jesus says, you cannot serve, and he compares God and money. This a juxtaposition of these two things that we can serve and worship. He could say, you cannot serve God and yourself. He could say, you cannot serve God and power. But he says, you cannot serve God and money. And it's interesting that he uses that word serve, and I think it's connected with our worship. And we can serve and actually worship money because money has a unique power that really only God has, where we can worship it and serve it and go after it. See, money can do things only God can do. And so maybe, maybe you've heard um, uh, the, the kind of the classic uh, four meanings of money, how people look at money. If you want to bring that up for me here. So there's four ways that people use, think about it. And none of these are are wrong, it's just different ways that we look at it. So some of us look at money as status, some look at it as security, others think it's enjoyment, and others think about money as control. Now we use all these different things, but there's usually like a primary way that we handle money. And if you look at each of these, you'll see that these are things that God actually intended to give us and do for us. And we can serve God and worship God, or we can serve God money so let's take a look at a status for example so status what is status it is my identity right and so some of us could say well you know i pay my bills i i I contribute to society you know so it gives me status i am a i'm a good person you know i'm competent or you know wealth we can say that is my identity this is who i am now where do you and i where do we find our identity in jesus right because we're his children. That is my identity. My sole identity is I am a child of God. And so I have these, this choice here. Am I going to find my identity in money, what I have, or am I going to find my identity in God? All right, let's look at the next one. So if we were going to look at security, and now this one, this is my problem, or bent, I guess. This is how I look at money often is security. And so we're saying that money is my protection and it's my provision. Well, who is our protector? Who is our provider? Which one are we going to look at? You see that? All right, let's look at the next one. And so then we have enjoyment. So this is my leisure. And what is that really? It's, it's my refreshing. I can go out and I can have fun. I could, you know, uh, come back to life when I go out and enjoy using uh, our money. And so if you're a person who, who thinks money is fun, I hope you're married to a person who thinks money is security. And that way you can keep paying the bills and, and keep going forward, right? But who is our refreshing? Where do we find our refreshment? Where do we find our life? We find it in our Father. We find it in His presence. Okay, and then the next one, the last one, is control. Okay, so this is power. And this would probably be my second one after security. It's like, I can go on vacation. I can do what I want to do. If I have money, you know, then I have power. I have control. What does Scripture tell tell us? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So what I want you to do on your bulletin there, you'll see that I listed all four of those. And I'd like, if you would, just do this exercise with me. I'd like you to circle one of those. that You would think it's not the sole way, but this is the primary way that I look at money. This is the meaning for me. And there's no like wrong or evil answer. It could be any of those things. This is just how it, how it works for me. right? So for me, again, I would have to circle security. Now, The reason that I went through all of that and the reason that I wanted you to do that is because what you circled there, that's the place where you really have to watch out. That's the place where you are likely to fall into idolatry, where you're likely to serve money and worship money and be all about money. So for me, security is a big deal and I have to be careful that I don't look to what I have, that I don't look to the bank account, that I don't look to what I'm storing up in order to feel secure. That is not my security. And I have to remember to lay that down. And so whatever one you put, you just have to be careful to say, okay, is that the thing that I do with money? Is that where I look to it, to be my God? Because there's only one on the throne. There's only one that we worship. And so whatever you circled, Whichever of those four it is for you, wherever you fall into the trap. Listen, God gave us a solution and it's the same solution for all four. A powerful, powerful solution. So we don't worship money. You know what it is? It's giving. So powerful just to give. See, because then you take your security and you hand a little piece of that over. It's like, oh, and freedom comes. In fact, God gave us a principle. He gave us a practice and it's called tithing, tithing and offerings. And I want to read about that uh, in Malachi. And tithe just means tenth. So it's to bring a tenth of what you have and to give it to God. And so here's probably the most famous tithing passage and it's uh, Malachi 3.8. And it says, will a man rob God? He's talking to the Israelites and he says, "Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. That is really interesting. Because we hear other passages tell us, do not test God. Do not put God to the test. But this is the one place where he says, try it. Just see. I'll tell you what, if you feel like God is asking you to start tithing, Okay, and you do it for three months. And if you come back after three months and say, that didn't bring freedom to me, it didn't bring life to me, it wasn't good, we'll give it back to you, okay? He says, test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. See, the blessing, I love that. Have you ever noticed like when God will just like keep your refrigerator running when it shouldn't? This whole car, I can't believe it's still going. And God just takes care of me as I put his things first. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I want you to understand that more than tithing, this isn't just like, a oh, wait, well, how much do I have to give? And like, is it, is it gross or is it net? And as soon as you start thinking about that, you got it wrong. As soon as it becomes like, well, what is the rule? You know, Jesus talked to the Pharisees. And he said, you, you should tithe. He says, you should give a tenth of your, your spices and, and the rest to God. He says, but you can't forget love and justice. But that's just as important, more important. I mean, is the way that you do that. And so you think about, okay, I want to bring justice forward. Which I think the gospel is the, the most, the biggest just cause there is but that's to help the poor, to help those in need. So I want to bring justice with my giving and I want to do it with love, cheerfully. That's what's important here, Jesus brings to us. It's not just a rule. See, because I don't believe that 10% belongs to God. I really don't. I believe 100% belongs to God. And so my my family, for the last 28 years, Gina and I have always given 10% of the, the first fruits We give it to the local church, the church that we're going to, because we believe it's all His. And then we give offerings on top of that. And I'll tell you what, so for 28 years we've been tithing, and I can tell you for 28 years we have never missed a mortgage payment. We've never not been provided for. God always takes care of us. And see, there's benefits of giving. There's freedom in life. So here's the first thing. The first benefit of giving is it brings actually protection from looking to money, I mean, think about this. If money is your status, every time that you give some to someone else, you're actually giving away some of your pride. Isn't that cool? If money is your enjoyment, every time you give a little bit away, you're saying, hey, well, that's some fun I could have had right there. And you're laying that down and you're sacrificing that. If money is control for you, every time you put a little bit down, it's like, I just give away my power. I gave away lordship there, and I'm actually looking to God to be my Lord. See, that's why it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's actually life that comes. Listen, I'm not interested in your money. We don't want your money. You know what we want is your freedom. We don't want it to own you. We don't want, see, money is so powerful, and we look to it like so many of us, we just go into idolatry. And we just want you to be free. You know, in, in, in stewardship, that's just another way to worship, to, to look at your budget and say, okay, now, am I using, because it all belongs to God, and am I lining this up in a way that glorifies Him and honors Him and brings praise to Him, and to take, to manage your money well, I actually, I want to tell you, those of you who do that, that's worship. Good job. In our budget, we have a line that's just, uh, we call it benevolence, and every month, see, you see, I've, I've got to do this as a practice because I I can look to it for security. So I've got to make sure that every month, like, nope, 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 it's not my security. I'm going to give it away so I can be free. And so we have a line that's just benevolence. And so, and and we've actually budgeted it in. So when we know people who need money, we don't have to say, okay, are we going to pay car insurance or we going to help them? And we just have a line where like here, boom, we got it. I love it. It's fun. It's a blessing. And then we give offerings on top of that to missionaries. Voice of the Martyrs is one that we really care about personally. This church gives to Voice of the Martyrs, just so you know, because I'm concerned about the church outside, across the world, and the persecution of the church, and we want to care for them. But it brings freedom. It brings protection to us to be generous. And the second thing it does is it brings joy and peace in worship. Because let's be honest, money is important, Right? That, it, that's why money always makes things weird. Every time a pastor is, is talking about money, I'll tell you what, you know how we feel? It's like a parent who's having the talk with the kids. <laughs> you're just like, ah, Money, yeah. And you guys feel like they're like, Can we just go home? You know, can I just go to my room and stop? I don't, no, please don't describe this anymore, right? <laughs> money makes things weird. How about like when you're in a job interview? When does it get weird? Well, what are your salary requirements? It's going great until then, and then it gets weird because it's so important to us. See, but it's see, it's worship. It's an offering. It's to take this thing that's so important and say, "Okay, God, it's yours. I just lay it down before you." I mean, like sheep. That was like their money back then. The herds were money, and they would offer their sheep to God. And I love this Proverbs nineteen seventeen. If you're not sure what to do, here, here's a, a beautiful passage of what you can do to honor God. And it says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Now, how many of us, if Jesus came in and said, hey, does anybody got a a five bucks I can borrow? How far would you go to get that five bucks to Jesus? Right? And he says, every time you give to the poor, you're lending to me. Wow. What a cool opportunity. That's why we have a a whole area here, Extending Grace, that has salaries and resources, and it just goes to to helping the poor. That's what that whole ministry does, our mobile food truck and the rest, because this is something that we have to do. It's just part of God's heart, is to take money and care for the poor. So if you don't know what to do, there's one thing you can do right away. All right, now I want to get to the, uh, now that that's over, I'm talking about money. I want to go and I want to talk about the next big T. Okay, we're just going to cover two of these. And that's your time. And I like to talk about these things together because it's, they really work together and they reveal similar things. And I'll tell you what, this is a problem for me because I, I just, I feel, I don't know if anyone else does, but I feel like I just do not have enough time. I, was, I remember I was last week, I was thinking, oh, I just don't have enough time to get it done. There's not enough time in the day. And your time, the way you spend your time is a power, powerful indicator of what's pulling on your heart and what you value. In fact, if you want to know what you're worshiping, if you want to know what you're chasing after, look at your checkbook, look at your calendar. And I guess I would just like to ask you, if someone that, that was just kind of a third party came in and they looked at your checkbook and they looked at your calendar, they saw what you did with your money and they saw what you, they did with your time, what would they say is important to you? Whether we like it or not, it's revealing what's important to us because these are the two important things, our time and our money, right? And here's my problem. I don't have enough time. That's my belief, but that's not the truth. The truth is you have all the time that God is going to give you. He allotted the day that you were born, and he allotted the last day. That's in his hand, and he gave you all the space in between. It's all you need, and it all belongs to you. Time is not, we think it is, time is not a question of quantity time is a question of priority. It is all about priority. And you can't have it all and you can't do it all. Listen, there are more things to do in my job here at this church than I can ever get done. And I have to just decide, okay, well, what's the priority? See, over the next seven days, unless one of us perishes, every single one of us have the exact same amount of time. It's not about quantity. It's your priority. What are you going to do with that? See, and the Bible never says, well, go out there and find some time. Ephesians 5, 15. It says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I love how Ephesians, the NASB says that. So it's to make the most of what God has given you. That's our responsibility. So I ch- I'm challenging myself and I want to challenge you. Stop saying... I don't have time. You have all the time you're supposed to have. Don't say that anymore. Seriously, like change your language. Don't say, I don't have time anymore. And admit, well, it's not the priority. This is or this isn't a priority. Time reveals what you care about. It reveals what you worship and what's important to you, right? Now, this is really catchy and tricky and it's a little difficult because then the, your son comes and says, Dad, can we play catch? And what do you want to say? I don't have time but now what you have to say sorry son you're not the priority (laughs) now don't say that to your son (laughs) but I think you should go through the thought and sometimes you you do listen sometimes you have to say I can't play catch right now I understand that but let's not say I don't have time let's be honest the customer right now is the priority should it be I think we need to wrestle with that and we need to be honest with that. Listen, you are the CEO. You are the sole proprietor. You you are the owner of your time. You are in control. You get to decide. And God knows that that we waste a lot of it chasing after this and screwing after that. And so He gave us a wonderful solution. Just like He gave us tithe to help us with our problem with money, He gave us the Sabbath help us with our time. And and it's one of the commandments, one of the big 10 commandments of our life. Remember the Sabbath. God knew that this was going to be such a struggle for us that we're just going to scurry and push and push and push. You know, last night when we were doing communion, you know what I had to repent of? I I was like, Lord, my ambition, I just, I got to let it go. It's like, I just "Mm, want more, 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 push, push, push. And God was like, that is getting in the way of our relationship, Carl. Gotta let that down. Do what he wants me to do. And so he gave us the Sabbath. And I know it's really, really hard, especially for you who own your business. Because when you're not producing, I know it's not coming in, right? But, but I wanted, I'd encourage you to test him in this as well. To just give him that Sabbath. That one day where it's like, okay, I'm gonna do what God did. God himself rested, so I will rest too. And I'm telling you, he'll bless the other six. Creativity will come, solutions will come. It it is going to be worth it. And see, God knew our problem. See, he he knew our problem with money would be hoarding it. So he said, okay, here's the solution, give it away. And he knew our problem with time would be wasting it. So he gave us the solution. He says, okay, now take it. Take a little time and just be still. And the, the author of Hebrews gives us a great explanation of the sabbath he says there remains then a sabbath rest for the people of god for anyone who enters god's rest i love that enters god's rest also rests from their work so it's his rest just as god did from his let us therefore make every effort work hard to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience what a wonderful reminder in the middle of the christmas season You don't have to spend more money than you have and you don't have to work harder than God is asking you to. And we get so busy and and we're just running around doing all these things. And I think a lot of times we come before God and like, well, we're doing this for you. And he's like, why? I don't want that. I I just want you. And are you making time? Are you making time for your connection and your relationship with God? Because there's nothing more important and your time reveals what's in your heart, and it reveals your worship. And if you are not making time for your connection with God, listen, that's how my day starts every day. It's just that's about 15 minutes in the Word, 15, 20 minutes in prayer. Just make that time because it is the most important thing to me. And if you're not doing that, there is one person on the entire planet who can fix it. And that's it. See, worship with our time, it depends on two things, on our posture and our priority. Okay, so first is our posture. And it's a posture of trust. It's to say, I can actually let that plate fall to the ground and I'm still going to be okay. You know, busyness in our lives, it is so connected to our self-worth. And that's one of the reasons that you're pressured in Christmas to do all these things. It's actually connected with like, well, how will people perceive me? How will people feel about me, right? We get so busy because like, I want to be super dad. Or I want to be wonder mom, right? It's our self-worth there. And if you just understood how precious you are to God, if you just understand how approved you are by him, he looks like all I want is you. You're good enough for me. Do you know that? that God looks at you, he's like, you're good enough. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. You don't have to prove anything to me, especially. Father's like, why are you doing that? Jesus gives us the example. Do you know what we do? We do just what the Father is doing. No more, no less. God, what do you want with Christmas? Lord, how much money do you want me to spend? How can I bless other people? Or how much time do I need to go to these parties and do this thing and that thing and run around? And and Father, what are you doing in my life this Christmas? And yes, there's some times where it's like, okay, we gotta grind it out and we gotta work hard and this is a season that he's put put us in. But listen, he's also given us a, a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light and he wants us to enter his rest. But you have to do it. You have to decide, I'm gonna enter into that. To do what the Father is doing. And, you know, I put entertainment up on that list because leisure time is a, it's a huge part of this. And, and there's really a plague right now, I think, with the way that we spend our leisure time. And, the, the, you know, I think about like, uh, like video games, for example, and I'm not saying they're bad, but I, I can't, they don't ever really make me feel rested. <laughs> what are you doing with your time? And even the way we go to entertainment can bring worship. Here, here's an example. So we went to uh, the Eagles game uh, last Friday in Fort Collins. They're a minor league hockey team. So I'm there with my whole family. And if you ever, one of the things that, I don't know if you think this is great, but what people like about minor league hockey is they fight a lot. And so we're watching and the first fight comes, you know, and then they drop the gloves. I mean, they let them go. Like until someone goes to the ground or the helmets come off, they let them go. And so there's this big fight and Gina looks at me. She's like, what are they doing? And I said, well, this is hockey. You know, this is what you do. And so then the second fight comes. They drop the gloves on me, and they're going at it. She looks at me, she says, "I don't like it." And so then there's a third fight, right? And they drop the gloves, and I'm looking, and me and my ten year old daughter are like, ah, rah, rah, rah. and the whole crowd's like, ah. and I look at Gina, and she's like this. And so I'm not lying. This seriously, they they are like circling around. Their gloves go off, They're just about to go at it, and it just like it just stops. I mean, it just ended. And everyone's like, I mean, nobody even threw a punch. What, what? It just ended. And I looked at Gina and she says, I'm interceding that they'll stop. (laughs) Listen, you do not ever want to be on the wrong side of my wife's prayers. They're powerful and they're effective. And the whole crowd is mad at my wife right there. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny because like Naya, she's 10 years old and I'm teaching her to like go, Caleb. Gina's praying, you know, doing the right thing. Bringing worship in everything you do. Yeah. So we, we got we to look at this thing. Like even our leisure time is his. It belongs to him. And there's two questions that should guide even your leisure time. The first is what edifies you? And the second is what refreshes you? Now I've learned with my little fire stick TV that if it says MA, mature uh, mature audiences, it will not edify me. And I've kidded myself before. I've said, well, it's a war movie. This one will be all right. Never. I just don't do it anymore. In fact, there's not a whole lot on TV that I find anymore that can edify me. There's a few things. And then like talking about video games, does that refresh you? You know, you get done with that thing. I mean, maybe, but not for me. I just like feel more stressed when I get done with those things. And so I just want to encourage you before you engage it, before you decide to do it, to make it an act of worship. Listen, you're supposed to get refreshed. God wants that for you. It's good for you to relax. It's good for you to unplug. But ask those two questions. Is this really going to edify my spirit? Is this really going to refresh me? Because God wants you refreshed. I'm trying an experiment. I don't know if it's going to work. But one thing I like to do is I like to just like tinker around the house. I like to just do little projects. So instead of turning the TV on, I've been doing projects. So like at 1030 at night, I was putting an outlet on outside of my house. I don't know how long this is gonna last, but I'm trying it because that brings refreshment to me. That, that, that's something that I feel like edifies me. And so I just wanna, I wanna close this series. I wanna close this weekend with the, the, the big idea. It's 1 Corinthians 10:31. And if there's anything from the last three weeks that you you grabbed onto, I'd like you to grab onto this. Whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, your time, your talents, your treasures, your entertainment, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, every moment is meant to be a moment of worship. Every moment, listen, having fun with your family. I hope Thanksgiving for you, I hope that was just worship connecting, fellowshipping. I hope Christmas is worship to you. I hope this season could be worshiped. That every moment of this thing, it's not about what they're demanding. It's not about these things that are driving me inside. It's just like, I want to connect with God. I want to bring Jesus into the middle of all this. This is what he came for. So that you and I could commune with him like we practice in communion at all times. We could participate with him at all times in everything and that he participates with us. That your life is 24-hour worship. Because you know what? No one else, nothing else, deserves your worship. Nothing else will do. He's the King. He's the Lord. He's what it is all about. So let us be a people that with our time, our treasure, our talents, our entertainment, with all that we have, we just bring praise, we bring glory, we bring honor to Him. Because no one else and nothing else will do. So Father, we thank you so much that we get to have relationship with you. Lord, we thank you. You really are all that we need. God, there's so many things that that are good, but they're not the best. There's so many things that we think we want, but in the end, they don't really satisfy. And and Father, I I thank you that there's just a life of freedom with you. There's a life of joy with you. God, when we do things your way, it's just good. So Lord, I pray that we would walk in that freedom, that we would walk in that life I pray, Lord, that we would just be worshipers 24-7 at all times, at all that we do, that we do it all for your glory, God, because there's no one else who deserves the praise that you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can, so come visit us at GraceMontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.